I want to read to you tonight from a very small book in the Bible called 1 John. 1 John, I just want to read the first four verses to you and share briefly with you. When a preacher says briefly, (laughs) pray for him. But here's what the Bible says. It says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. That is the word of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. We have a thing in this church. If we're going to clap, we do it together. Can we just clap together? Have you ever been annoyed with someone who doesn't seem to get to their point? Have you ever been annoyed with people who just talk and talk and talk and you're just like, what is the point? Get to the point. Maybe that person sitting next to you don't elbow anybody. Or maybe you are that person that people get annoyed with. It's like, what are you trying to say? Can you please get to the point? Yeah, you ever talk to people and you're like, dude, I'm lost. What's the point? What are you trying to say? I was thinking about this, that a lot of times when it comes to moments like this, there's so much we say about Christmas, but then... It seems like we seem to miss the point. What is the actual point? Right? Wait, like when you get past the eggnog, you get past Santa kissing your grandmother, and when you get past all of the wrapping, when you get past the baby in the manger, when you get past Mary and Joseph, what is the actual point? What is the point of it all? Here, my friends, you're hearing from someone who actually was there from the beginning. And it's almost like he's trying to help you get past all of the other stuff. And he's like, man, let me, can I just like share the point of why this thing that we say Christmas is so clutch. And it changes everything when you actually get the point of it. When you actually get to the heart of it all. Here is a student of Jesus named John. 
And he's writing, he tells to you, he says, I'm writing because we were there, man. We, we saw him and we touched him and we kind of were there with him. He's a historical person. Like if, if this is just a fairy tale, then we're wasting our time. If this is just a nice little cute story to tell our children to make us feel better about life, then, then listen, we're wasting our time. But he's like, man, I don't know. He's emphatic about this. And if you look up the, the original language here, he's like, he's trying to make a point. He's like, he's, like, he's in a court case. He's like making a point to say, no, no, guys, don't miss this. Like, he was a real historical figure. We were there with him. Like, we touched him. We broke bread with him. We saw the miracles. We saw him walk the earth. Like, we saw him being crucified. It's a real person. What's fascinating is, if you do your research, you, 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 you come to understand that anyone who takes history seriously will not deny the existence of Jesus. That, that's just an historical fact. Like, that's not, you know, religious people trying to conjure up something. If you just do a little bit of digging, you see that Jesus was an actual historical figure. The struggle is not that he was real. The struggle is do you believe that he was the son of God? So, so, so to deny that Jesus was real is to deny history. It's like saying you're not real. It's like saying George Washington wasn't real. It's like saying that anybody that has lived in history wasn't real. By the way, just a little dig in history, you realize that even to this day, every year, people get together to figure out who has had the most historical point in history. Did you know that? There's like a, there's a group of scholars who get together every year to, to discuss like, hey, who has made the most impact in the history of the world? And you can look it up. You can Google it for yourself. Every single year, Jesus comes on top. Yeah. Like every single year. It's hard to deny the impact of someone who actually split the calendar in two. Now, you got to be a little bit of a boss to split the calendar in two. Like, I don't know if you realize this, but there's a calendar before Jesus called B.C., and there's a calendar after Jesus called A.D. or A.C. I don't know what I mean. Like, like, he split history in two. That's a big deal. And, and if you walk with him, you should have a B.C. history and an A.D. history. Like, some of y'all should be glad that the person you sit next to is not in his B.C. days anymore. Well, you should be glad that I'm not in my B.C. days anymore. I was telling someone yesterday, I'm like, there's one guy in this church who knew me B.C. We went to high school together. And it's weird to hear him call me pastor because I'm like, bro, you'd like, you know me. We, we broke bread together and other things. In our BC days, he literally split history into two. That's how massive of an historical figure this Jesus is. So John is making a point, like, don't miss this. This was an historical event. This man came. But not only did he come, he said something really powerful. I don't know if you understood this. He said, this Jesus is actually eternal life. No, that's a big deal. Hear me. Here's why this is a big deal. For most, most of us have heard the gospel share this way, that Jesus comes to give you eternal life. John's like, no, 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 you, that's not it. He is eternal life. 
He doesn't give you eternal life. He gives you himself and he himself is eternal life. Like he existed from the beginning. He just took the form of a baby to come and manifest himself in a way that we can actually understand and touch and see and, and, and be able to relate. But the reality is he's already an eternal being. He doesn't become eternal. He is eternal. So my friends, to know this Jesus of Christmas is to know eternal life. Now, here's another misconception about eternal life. Usually people think, listen, I just need to accept this Jesus so I can go to heaven someday. That's not what he's talking about. If a person in this context was asking about eternal life, they were actually asking about this question. They were saying, hey, what's the best way to live life now? Not later. In other words, Jesus is the greatest quality of life now. In other words, if you go study Jesus and if you go look at the Gospels, which I highly encourage you to do tonight, take the Gospel of John and just look at this Jesus in a fresh way, you will see what it means to have eternal life. It's to have the greatest quality of life on earth. Like the, the way he lived is how all of us should live. The way that he addressed people is how we all should address people. The way he had a relationship with God is how we're all supposed to have a relationship with God. Like the way that he handled life is how we're supposed to handle life. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a mini version of him. So in other words, we're not waiting for eternal life. We are eternal beings living in eternity with him now in this moment. We're not waiting for someday, for some pie in the sky to live with Jesus. It's to have the greatest quality of living now. He says he is eternal life. John's like, man, get this. This God who created the moon, the stars, the galaxies decides to become a baby in a manger to embrace what it means to be fully human so that you and I can fully identify with him and be able to go with him and be able to say, man, I can have the next thing he says is I can have fellowship with him. Now that word is weird to me. I don't know about you, but there's certain words in church that you just like, sounds weird. Like what is fellowship? Fellowship of the rings. You know, like what, what is that word? But it's a powerful word, my friends. When you begin to study this word, John's like, listen, he came for you to have fellowship with us and with God. Notice he mentioned us first. He says, hey, I, we want you to have fellowship with us. Why? Because sometimes to get to God, you got to get to his people. And the word fellowship, if you're taking notes, man, it's a powerful word. Is when you get the word koinus from or the word koinonia from, where you get the word communion from. It's basically to share mutually with another. It's like, man, God came for you to exchange communion with him, to have intimacy with him to be into him you see as he is into you you see like that is the word fellowship it's not some God who is distant most people when you ask them if they believe in God they'll say yes but it's a distant God it's not a God they have fellowship with he says man he didn't come for you just to say I believe in God Merry Christmas God bless no he's saying he came so you can actually have intimacy with him so you can actually commune with him in other words, so you can have a relationship with him. So you can say, like, he said, listen, so you can say like us, we touched him, we know him. 
We hear his voice and, and we hear his prompting. We live by the power of his spirit now because now he's not just here in the flesh, man. He's here in the spirit. Thank you. <laughs> Fellowship. What a beautiful word. What a weird word. Communion. He says, man, I came for you to have communion. You know, it's sad where, where God comes this close, but we live like he's distant. You know, you hear people say, I believe in God, but you're like, yeah, but do you have communion with him? Do you hear his voice? Do you hear his prompting? Do you hear his leading? Is he guiding you? Is he speaking to you? Is he molding you? Is he shaping you? Because that's what communion does, man. When you have intimacy with someone, it affects you deeply. Since it's a mutual exchange, this word fellowship. He says that's why, that's why he came, man. He, he could have just said, hey, guys, love you. Merry Christmas. But he knew that wouldn't do. He says, man, I had to embody this life so I know what it means to be fully human. So when you hurt, he gets it. When you're struggling, he gets it. When you're, when you're questioning, he gets it. When you're betrayed, he gets it. When you're feeling hopeless, he gets it. When you're feeling frustrated, he gets it. The Bible says that he was tempted on every point, but yet he did not sin to show you how to actually live with him. Came so you can have fellowship, you can have union with him. How many people can say, I have a relationship with this God of Christmas? Most people are acquaintances of God. You probably heard me say this many times, like, man, I love sports and I can spit out a lot of statistics about a lot of players, but I don't know any of them personally. It's different for me to have a personal relationship with someone versus just know some things about them. It's amazing how, listen, as a, as a pastor, I live a, pre, a pretty public life, even though I'm very reserved if you know me personally. But it's amazing how many opinions I've heard about myself that I'm like, you don't even know me. You just heard me preach and you put together your little judgmental, whatever you want to put together in your own little bubble, but you never had a communion with me. So how would you know who I really am if we never broke bread? How... Would you know a God that you only see from a distance? No, he comes close. He wants to be personal. He wants to be in you. That's what fellowship means. He says, listen, we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. He says, the God's people bring the presence of God. That's why when the, pre- when, when the people of God gather like this, man, heaven and earth meet. And no matter how much people are trying to say, I don't need to go to church to find God. But God says, man, it's with my people that you will find fellowship. <laughs> I saw a woman who caught me on a bad day. I was, I was in Fall River, and uh, I walked into this place because I was like, I mean, it's like 3 You know that 3 o'clock in the afternoon vibe where you just have no energy? 
So I was like, I, I need an espresso real quick. So I walked into, I've never been there, and the woman said to me, oh, hi, pastor. I was like, oh, hi. Because I just said hi to everybody. I don't know who knows me. <laughs> she's like, you know, I, I was going to church. But then she's like, she hit me with, you know, pastor, I don't think people need to go to church to have a relationship with God. I was like, oh, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Holy Spirit's low. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't have to go home to be a husband either. My kids don't have to see me to be a father neither, you know, but it's nice to be with the family. And she goes, Pastor, why you got to hit me like that? <laughs> I said, yeah, better give me that espresso before I go even deeper. The fellowship is communion with God and with each other. And then, he, and then he says this, he says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Now, raise your hand if you don't need joy. I'll wait. Man, my friends, this world needs joy. And the problem is we don't have it because we're living outside of the source of joy. We're, we're, we're trying very hard on our own to find joy and, and to find happiness, to find meaning. And we're finding ourselves joyless. We're finding ourselves bitter. We're finding ourselves frustrated. But we're not realizing the reason why we're so joyless is because we're not connected to the source of joy. And the source of joy comes from communion with the one who is the source of joy. See, the problem with happiness is you have to constantly rely on circumstances. And you have to constantly wait for something to make you happy because happiness relies on happening things. But joy is communion that comes from within. My wife hit me with this in the kitchen the other day. She's the better preacher than I am. I wish she was preaching this message. She said, have you realized that, that this baby Jesus grows up inside of Mary's womb the same way that this God wants to grow up on the inside of us? I was like, whoa, girl, come on. Like, like, like you're making dinner and getting revelation like this? You know why? Because that's what communion is. You don't have to be in a certain place to get revelation. You just have to be in the flow of his revelation. And that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. He comes now to birth that Jesus in you. So the joy comes from within you. You're not waiting for outside circumstances to bring you joy. Joy comes from when you're connected to the source of joy. Understand that when he writes this, he wasn't a Starbucks sipping latte. He writes this in a very difficult time. The, the, the church is going through some challenges. They're going through difficulties. This is the first century, man. This is a time of persecution, times of trials and tribulations. And he says, man, you can have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, because the joy of God never relies on outside circumstances because God resides within each person that invites him to come into his life. And here's the beauty of this thing. This joy grows with time. Just like a baby grows with time. 
How does this joy grow? It grows as you continue to develop that communion, that, that fellowship. As you, as you go to the Gospels and you read about Jesus. As you develop a prayer life and you talk with him. As you fellowship with other believers. As you go through trials and tribulations and temptations. But you invite the Holy Spirit to be in the midst of those things. Listen, the joy of the Lord is the strength of God's people. It grows as you grow with him. So in other words, this is not like something that you get once a year. Man, you can get the joy of the Lord every single day of your life as you continue to plug in to the joy of the Lord. I was a Shirley MCI maximum prison two days ago preaching this very message. Behind bars with dudes who are doing really hard time. One guy is doing 25. Another guy told me he's he's done 30 so far. Young and old. In a room. But what's fascinating to me is, I even told him, I said, guys, it's amazing. We are here, Shirley MCI, behind bars. But there's such freedom in this place. Because where Jesus is, there's no maximum prison that can contain the joy that's in you. Amen. We worship Jesus in that place like we're all, like, I felt like I transcended. I didn't feel like I was behind bars. I came home to my family. I says, I'm I, so grateful to go to jail. And I told those guys, I said, I need to come hang out with you guys more often because back in New Bedford, they take me for granted. Over here, you guys are excited about the word. You're excited about God. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. These brothers, man, worship Jesus freely because joy comes from within. My friends, don't miss the point. The point is, he was a real historical figure. He split history into two. And he's still doing that with anyone who says, I want you in my life. And he says, then... Let's go to work so I can split you into B.C. and A.D. Because we all have a B.C. And we all need to have an A.D. I'm chilling with these dudes and I'm like, man, I don't even want to know your B.C. (laughs) Because it might taint the moment. I just know that you are in Him. And that's what matters. Don't miss this historical Jesus who comes Not to give you eternal life. He is eternal life. To be in tune with Jesus is to already have eternal life. See, see, when you you die, it's just a continuation where you begin here. And if you don't have him here, you're not going to have him then. It's just a continuation. To have him is to have fellowship. It's to have communion. It's to say, I know the Lord. It's Christmas every day for the believer. It's Christmas to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And the joy of the Lord continues to grow in every believer who continues to seek him. Stand with me as we pray tonight. My friends, don't let this moment pass you by. When he first came to earth, many people missed him. They missed them because they had their own agendas. They missed them because they had their own perspective. They missed them because they didn't even understand that God could be human. 2,000 years later, people are still missing him.
because they do religion, they do tradition, but they never get to fellowship. It would be a shame for us to gather tonight and you don't invite him into your life so you can have communion with him. The Bible says this, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, he will save you. What does he save you from? He saves you from you. From thinking you can do life without him. That's what he does. So we're going to pray this prayer, but you got to mean it. you gotta, you got to say it from your heart. Because living with Jesus is more than a prayer. Prayer is just the opening the door to communion. Living with Jesus is about obedience. It's about following him. And so after I pray this prayer, listen, we're going to have tables outside of this room with Bibles and people will love to pray with you. But listen, go to the Gospel of John and, be, and begin to see this Jesus and see what do I mean when I say he is eternal life and grow in that understanding. If you don't have a church, man, get plugged into a church because you want to have fellowship with God's people and continue to grow in that relationship. So let's pray together with every head, bow, eyes closed. Pray this with me. We're going to pray it out loud. We're going to lift up faith in this house. I want you to say with me, say it from your heart, say, God, tonight, I'm ready. I want to ask Jesus to come into my life. I want this communion. I want you to have your way in my life. Lord, I pray you forgive me of all my sins. You wash me and cleanse me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that this day is the day that my life will change from before Christ to after Christ. Have your way in me, Lord, but also have your way through me. And I pray with confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. My friend, if you pray that prayer for the first time, the Bible says the old is gone, the new has come. Welcome to life in Jesus Christ.